The American Health Law Association is pleased to present this special series highlighting the top 10 issues of 2021, where we bring together thought leaders from across the health law field to discuss the major trends and developments of the year. Support for AHLA in this series is provided by PYA, which helps clients find value in the complex challenges related to mergers and acquisitions, clinical integrations, regulatory compliance, business valuations, and fair market value assessments, and tax and insurance. For more information, visit PYAPC.com. Welcome, everyone, to the AHLA podcast series. I am Michael Ramey, a principal and leader in transaction services at PYA. I am joined today by esteemed legal counsel, Tori McClary, a partner at Ropes and Gray, and Ronnie Adepot, counsel at Ropes and Gray. Both Tori and Ronnie focus their legal practices on healthcare transactions. They recently wrote an article titled Resilience and Reinvention, Partnering in a Pandemic, which was published as part of AHLA's summary of top 10 issues in health law in 2021. Today, we will learn more about Tori's and Ronnie's perspectives on how the pandemic impacted healthcare transactions, specifically among health systems, and thoughts on what is in store for the health system transactions in 2021. Tori and Ronnie, welcome. Thank you for participating in the podcast series. Thank you for having us. So clearly a lot has unfolded over the last year. We entered 2020 with a robust capital market and a lot of M&A activity, including some proposed mega mergers of large health systems. Tori, as, as you reflect on the last year since the pandemic start, what are your views on the impacts hospital health system deal flow during that time? Well, it is, it is clear that the pandemic had a, an impact on deal flow and, and did in fact reduce the number of deals that, that transpired in 2020 as compared to 2019. Uh, the current statistics are showing there were 79 announced deals in 2020 as compared to 92 in 2019. I think that what was really interesting about 2020 in the first quarter as uh, nobody was really sure what was going to happen with, with pandemic and it was setting in, I would say deal flow was pretty gangbusters and we felt, you know, absent pandemic, it could have been a really record year with uh, health systems and providers, you know, everybody talking to everyone, so many different kinds of deals happening and it was just um, kind of an incredibly interesting and exciting period of time for transaction uh, attorneys to be doing that kind of work. However, you know, we get to March, April, the pandemic um, hits full force. At that time, we really saw pencils down on, on all our deals uh, for at least a couple months with things starting to resume a little bit mid-year. Um, we had some pause deals from the beginning of the year pick up again mid to later in the year. Uh, we are seeing now a lot of conversation and discussion. I don't know that that has translated yet into the numbers that are being reported because a lot of these conversations are in the more preliminary stages or, or pre-announcement stages. Um, I believe Kaufman Hall just came out with a report you know, within the past day or two showing that Q1, we are seeing some bounce back in deal flow, but it's still below 2020 Q1 levels. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see an acceleration of deal flow 
as uh, the pandemic gets more and more under control, or I should say, assuming the pandemic gets more and more under control and uh, transactions are, are uh, more developed and announced publicly. Great, thanks, Tori, that's insightful. Um, I'll say from, from my vantage point, at least, our firm assists uh, a lot of healthcare organizations with due diligence efforts, including financial due diligence and, and quality of earnings. Um, and it has definitely been harder to assess um, as things continue to come out of, of COVID, kind of what the, the new normal is. Um, uh, and when I'm talking about normal, I'm talking about, you know, take, taking a look at an entity and understanding what is uh, really a, a, a reasonable amount of, uh, of financial um, returns that are being generated, as well as what the operations are look like, how quickly those are rebounding. Um, so I would be curious, Ronnie, from, from your vantage point in facilitating deals, what did you see as, as impact on, on deal structure and, and execution, given those challenges? Well, I think we saw, you know, at the beginning of the year, deals that had started um, sometimes took a pause and then people had to reevaluate. Uh, maybe purchase price, other terms. And, and, you know, sort of as you mentioned for valuations now, our clients are looking backwards and, and trying to figure out how to treat 2020 in the COVID year and whether, you know, it should be disregarded or normalized. I think that's a conversation that's happening now. When we were in the middle of uh, the pandemic, you know, late spring, early summer, people were just rapidly renegotiating terms. And a lot of that, you know, was, like I said, price, but it was also, um, you know, reps and warranties and uh, SBA loan provisions and different, uh, there were different deadlines that were in flux and everybody was trying to figure out how to apply for loans and then how to provide for notice or consent if there was a change of control. So I think there was a lot of real-time uh, deal uh, provisions that needed to be addressed while it was all happening. And I think it's settled down a little bit now and we've had some time to catch our breath, but I think it's it's a very interesting year uh, to be negotiating in the middle of a pandemic about terms related to the pandemic. I would just add to that. I think, Ronnie, that's a, a great um, summary and insight of, of our and a, a diplomatic way to describe the chaos of, of our experience doing deals in the midst of pandemic. I think it was also interesting at the time thinking about provisions like material adverse effect and outs on transactions and at what point in the pandemic you know, it was sort of accepted we were in a pandemic and that was not an unforeseeable, you know, circumstance that could cause a buyer to walk away as opposed to something that is now an accepted, well understood risk in doing a transaction um, as, as pandemic developed. So that was kind of a real time interesting uh, development to watch. I, I would also just add in terms of the impact of the pandemic on deal structure and execution that we're also seeing kind of a focus in different kinds of deals and, and the way providers are approaching them. And I think, you know, one example is you'll see, or at least one area that's getting a lot of press is the focus on telehealth services and a lot of deal activity in that area is a new, um, there's been such an increase obviously in use of telehealth since prior to pandemic and a lot of transaction activity there a lot of focus on new clinical protocols, uh, some transactions around providers starting to provide their own PPE and not being dependent on 
on old supply chain and access as a result of the shortages that occurred. And I think that's similar to, to arrangements like Civica, um, where providers got together pre-pandemic and started to think about how to, how to get together and manage uh, generic drug shortages and how to, to better access those. So I think we'll see sort of similar activity with PPE. Uh, I also uh, have heard uh, that the limitations exposed by pandemic on fee-for-service payment structures, the shift in, in attention and focus on value-based care models, there may be an increase in provider-payer relationships as a result. And I think finally, a lot of conversation around social determinants of health and, and the disparities that uh, in terms of the impact of, of care and pre-existing conditions that uh, predispose certain populations to a worse outcome as a result of the pandemic. I think that puts a lot of these stronger, larger health systems in the position to really focus on managing those issues going forward and, and putting efforts in, in that area. So I think those are some interesting um, areas that we're, we're gonna see some focus in as a result of a pandemic. All great points. Clearly, we're living in a dynamic environment right now. Well, thank you for uh, giving us some perspective on, on what has been. Um, and when I think about what has been, uh, I reflect back this time last year, there were a lot of predictions going on. It seemed like about every day my email was hit with some uh, group that was making various different predictions as to how COVID was going to change healthcare, or for that matter, how transactions were going to be affected uh, as we were just getting into uh, the, the, the pandemic. Now, some of those came to fruition. Some of them are still materializing. Some of them are better characterized as wild prognostications. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you all now, uh, fast forward one year, I'll, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Um, pull out your crystal balls. I would be curious for our audience here, what are you seeing as emerging trends in hospital and, and health system deal making? And what predictions do you have for the upcoming year? Tori, I'll, I'll let you comment first. Yes, and, and um, I think when Ronnie and I wrote this article uh, at, the, at the end, we said something like, if there's one thing we learned about making predictions from pandemic, it's that we should never make any predictions. And then we went ahead and made them. So I'm gonna you know, go ahead and do the same thing here. Uh, and just say what we're seeing and uh, anything that happens in the future. <laughs> um, I, I take no responsibility for for uh, for things that we we can't predict that that might obviously impact and change uh, what what we're seeing and what we're expecting. But as of today, I think that there are a few kinds of of deals and trends that we're we're seeing. I, I would say at a high level, there is always the you know, continued focus on consolidation and growth. And I think that continues, I think, especially in a, in a situation like pandemic, when you do have some more distressed independent providers that maybe did not weather the pandemic storm as well as some of the larger uh, well-resourced systems, I think you're gonna still see those those providers potentially looking for partners or to join larger systems for access to capital, um, financial security, economies of scale, 
uh, additional managerial and other resources. So I think you're going to still see consolidation. I think for really distressed hospitals, including you know some in the rural areas, it's possible consolidation might be the only alternative to closure. And I think that preservation of access to care is important. And I think that consolidation done well uh, is important for that reason. We're also still we're seeing an increase in mega transactions where large scale transactions are still occurring strategically critical transactions are occurring where you're getting systems from different geographies um, consolidating and gaining access to new markets and new capabilities and I think that's also going to have um, a potentially beneficial impact in strengthening value-based care um, and and those kinds of models so I think that's one we're still going to see I think continued consol consolidation um, I think you know some health systems we're seeing have come out of COVID financially intact and they are able to be well positioned and take advantage of new opportunities. That includes acquisitions of assets being divested by others and they can grow their capability and expand into new markets as I mentioned. I think they're also gonna be potential good partners for other kinds of of parties that are entering the healthcare space. And, you know, maybe that's private equity, maybe that's some commercial players, but people, you know, and we talked about payers, but coming into the market and looking for, for really good partners to, to develop new and innovative transaction relationships. So I think we're gonna see that. Um, on the point of partnerships, Ronnie, Ronnie and I talk about this a lot, but we, we continue to see for some of our clients that are looking at a bigger ticket ultimate relationship with a party taking a more incremental approach. So I think we're gonna to continue to see some affiliations, discrete joint ventures, partnerships around a particular service line or activity. Um, in some cases, those will you know, be what they're going to be and they'll just be the best partner for that particular activity. In some cases, we think those are gonna be entrees kind of like the dating before marriage, but opportunities to get to know each other, learn, you know, confirm cultural compatibility, and then move forward towards something um, more comprehensive in the future. So I think we're going to see that. And I think we are still hearing about, you know, divestitures, um, distress sales, and I think that's going to continue to occur. I don't know if it's going to occur at the level that people were predicting when pandemic hit, you know, it's going to be disastrous. We're going to have all these, uh, you know, health systems going under, everyone's going bankrupt, it's going to be terrible. I think that has not occurred at the level that, that some people were initially expecting. Um, but I think, you know, we just had Common Spirit announce the sale of 14 hospitals to Essentia Health. I think there still will be a trend of divestitures. Um, some are predicting there'll be divestitures of non-core assets as some health systems seek to focus on their core strengths or to monetize um, their, you know, some of their, their arrangements. And I think that we're going to continue overall to see an increase in, in deal flow as these transactions that we've been all working on and, and working through with our clients continue to be developed and, and announced in the coming months. So I think it's still going to be a really exciting time to be in the space. Great. Ronnie, anything to add to that? Um, yeah, and no, I think Tori covered a lot of what we've seen at a macro level. I think maybe 
maybe the more hundred foot view though is something I thought has been interesting over the past year seeing how our clients have been really flexible and innovative and how they've addressed this. I mean, I think, you know, they've been forced to out of necessity really stretch and everybody has, you know, we read about hospitals and health systems overnight rearranging their triage system. So they use parking lots and other unused space and, you know, different, um, different providers flex to do one thing that they, you know, didn't normally do, which is emergency services. And I think these innovations in scheduling and all of a sudden everybody had an app and an online way to schedule COVID tests. And now it's for vaccines. I think people were rapidly innovating. And now that they've done that and sort of flexed that muscle, I think, I hope we see more of that in the future. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean more transactions, but it could mean more creative ways of thinking about how to partner, even if it's like an uh, IT EHR sort of agreement with another system or um, bolstering your telehealth platform because now you realize reimbursement is stronger, the waivers are in place, maybe they'll stay in place through next year or permanently. Um, there, you know, there are other waivers allowing different providers to practice across state lines. Maybe the powers that be will decide that that's something they want to see continue. And so I think all, all of these rapid changes, even once the dust settles, people might look back and think, oh, that was actually really great how we quickly addressed this problem and, and maybe it will lead to more of that in the future even if we don't have a massive global disaster happening. Great, thanks, Ronnie. So, Ronnie and Tori, you've covered a lot of ground today. This is very insightful. Um, as we close, I'm just curious, what's the one piece of advice each of you would give to transaction advisors uh, at this point in the pandemic? So I do think that now as picking up on Ronnie's theme of, of flexing and innovating and adapting, I do think now is a really good time for providers to be creative and innovative and strategic about potential opportunities. And, and I, I do believe that that is what I'm seeing with, with our clients and, and with, with our peers that um, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of for now out of the storm and, and now it's a time to think about how to best provide quality care at, at a lower cost and, and to think dynamically about the continuum of care for the patient and, and doing, doing the right thing. Um, I do think also it's in a good time to evaluate existing relationships um, that providers have with, with other parties. And I think that's been a, a, an interesting um, situation that I, I don't know if I want to call it a trend yet, but maybe an emerging trend, at least in my practice, is you know, looking at some relationships that have been in place for, for some period of time with other, with other providers and you know, are those really working? Are they working the way that they should? Can they be improved? And kind of thinking about whether, you know, and especially with some of these are long-term relationships that have been going for years or even decades, does the, do those models and do those mechanisms still work today? So I would say, think about new opportunities, but also think about how to improve some of your existing relationships. And I would also say the key is to be thoughtful as you think about what transactions you wanna pursue, but also to be really efficient and to be in a position to move quickly, to take advantage of the opportunities. And I think that requires um, good advisors. It requires organization 
and it requires an, an efficient and well thought through approach. But I think, I think thoughtfulness and speed are gonna be the key to getting deals done in the coming months. And so that's my, my advice, have a great team to be in a position to execute on these opportunities as they, as they arise. Great. Ronnie, what's your biggest piece of advice to transaction advisors at this point? I echo everything Tori said. I think being in a position to move quickly um, as all of these pieces are falling into place is really important. And I think we sort of talked about how the rules of the game have changed over the past year and, and no one single human can keep up to speed with, with all of these changes. So just positioning, positioning yourself in the best way possible to make sure you can take advantage of any of these new gains and realizations and innovations, um, I think would be a great way to come out of a very terrible situation and sort of make the best of it. Great. Well, thank you again, Tori and, and Ronnie for your time today and your insights into healthcare deal making during the pandemic. I'll also invite uh, our listeners to tune in to the future sessions of the AHLA podcast series on the top 10 issues in health law in 2021 as they become available. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.